0: And right now, I want to, to dig into the Bible just for the next little while with you. Um, in a, a sermon series that we began on our Sunday nights, just last Sunday night, as part of our Furnace Gathering, and we're calling it um, This Is Us. Uh, and really, that the point of this and the purpose of this time together is to give a really clear definition as to who we are as a church and why we do what we do. And I, as I looked out at you, I saw that none of you were looking at me, which is a good thing, don't worry. Um, and I, I imagine that means you're all avidly looking at the screen behind me, aren't you? Yeah? Because things are magically appearing, even as I speak. It, 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 don't worry, this is not some sort of a kind of strange power that I have over the screen. Um, my glamorous assistant at the back, um, not you, Mikey, Um you are glamorous though and truth be told the most glamorous person back there is berenice but um ian is 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 It's doing wonderful things um, at the back to, to present this to you. We're going to be putting together some of these resources so that we can help us to understand and communicate clearly who we are as a church and what we're about. Last Sunday evening, we talked a little bit about our Pentecostal distinctive. We talked about our history and our heritage in these matters. And we talked about how it is then that we can be full of the Holy Spirit, powerfully and dynamically moving in the things of God's kingdom, breaking into this world. Now I know you've been avidly looking at the screen, but can anybody say an amen to the things of the kingdom of God breaking into the here and now? Is anybody up for some of that? I'm absolutely sure that you are. And, um, and tonight we're going to be talking about uh, really something that is, is is really our primary purpose as a church, and our primary purpose as the individuals who make up this church. We as a church, Gateway Church Wirral, we, um, we have something of a... Uh, of a Kind of a standard, uh, a sense of who we are that we've had for a number of years now. And we represent it in the words, transforming the world through transformed lives. Yeah? It's a, it's a really positive statement of faith. It's a statement of belief and a statement of purpose. It's a statement of longing because we recognize our world needs changing, doesn't it? Yeah. And although we can enjoy so many aspects of our world, there's so much that doesn't reflect the goodness and the grace of God. And we say, please come, Lord Jesus. Uh, and whilst we might say, yes, it's wonderful to see the world transformed truth be told, we're a pretty international church. I I suspect many of us, you'd be like, well, let's not stop there. Let's see the world transformed. And uh, it's a wonderful aspiration. I'm sure that you really, really want to be a part of that. But does anybody feel like the world might just be a little bit too big for you? Does anybody ever feel that? Yeah? You're all like, Pastor Greg, you do not have enough faith. I tell you, I do have enough faith, but I don't have enough time. Um, or indeed energy. But I do recognize that if I want to see a transformed world, even if I want to see a transformed Wirral, then there is a part of that for me as an individual to play, and a part for you. What we say all the time to our transformed communities, you've heard a little bit about them this evening, is just narrow your focus a little bit. Narrow your focus Be clear about who it is that you genuinely believe God has called you to reach. The folks in your neighborhood, the folks in your network, the folks who who you are doing life with one way or another, and just reach them with the love of Jesus Christ. The fact of the matter is, you live next door to people that I will never live next door to. Uh, You work with people I'm never going to work with. There are folks in your families that I may never meet. And what we are really hoping for is that each and every one of us would grab a hold of the vision, the sense, the fire, the joy that we can reach somebody for Jesus. What are we reaching them for? What's the purpose? Well, indeed, it is. Uh, what we wanted to do is try and define what that means. What, it, what does a transformed life really mean? It sounds good in principle, but if you're like me, you'll probably think, well, that needs a little bit of definition, doesn't it? How are folks transformed? Why are folks transformed? What are people transformed into? Uh, having a beautiful aspiration raises a number of questions. That's what we want to dig into tonight. Because we're going to talk a lot about what it is to be disciples who make disciples. I suppose my first question for you is, do you know who you are? And you're probably like, well, it's pretty late on a Sunday evening. I don't know actually who I am anymore. It's, uh, it's open to question. Um, do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know who he's made you to be? Do you know what his work in you is causing you to become? The famous actor, um, Gregory Peck. He must be good and famous, because he's called Gregory. Um, (laughs) He was, um, I know you agree. You're only laughing because you agree. uh, It was one standing in line with a friend, apparently, waiting for a table in a crowded restaurant in Los Angeles. They'd been waiting for quite a while, and and people were taking their time. New tables weren't coming around very fast. And, And to be honest, they weren't even that close to the front of the line, the story goes. Peck's friend became impatient with the situation, a little bit with Gregory Peck. And he said to him, why don't you just tell them who you are? To which Gregory Peck replied, with a decent bit of wisdom, I reckon, no, if you have to tell them who you are, then you aren't. There's a bit of wisdom there, isn't there? He had a sense of who he was. You don't want to kind of go thrashing around trying to become something by defining himself according to what people thought of him or so on and so forth. He was who he was, and he was content with that. What I would hope for us as believers is that we can come to a place where we know who we are in Christ, so much so That our lives, who we are, and then how our lives speak to the lives of others, it's not defined by this world. It's not defined by our our low expectations of ourselves, perhaps not defined by the, the failures or the regrets of the past, nor defined by some of the things that are, well, they're passing away in our world, but so many seem to think they're worth scrabbling for and grasping for. We need to know what it is to be a Christian. What it is to be one who has been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, saved by his grace, for his purposes, for his glory. To become a Christian, to be a Christian, is about a substantial, a wholesale change in your life. I'm sure you've heard me say it very often, but to be a Christian is not about God taking good people and making them a little bit better. It's not about God coming to folks and fixing some problems around the periphery of our lives so that we can just carry on a little bit better and live a little bit more successfully. To be a Christian is to be taken from death to life. And can I press you a little further? It's to be taken from being wicked, for that is who we are without the love of Christ, to being righteous. And righteousness is not so much about what you do, but it's about how you are seen how you are seen by your God and for him to declare you righteous it's a relational act for him to say that you are righteous is not simply to say oh yeah you've reformed your ways now you're doing good stuff no it's for him to look at you and say yes I see the very nature of my son Jesus Christ when I look at you This is the wholesale transformation that we talk about when we talk about becoming a Christian. And we enter into these ways through the the root of repentance. Repentance is what it is for you and for me to turn, to change, to say no longer will I live according to my own best intentions or my own lights. No longer will I live according to my own uh, desires, my own lordship of my life. Rather, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. The Bible talks a lot about surrendering and giving up idols, particularly in the Old Testament, of course, and, and for them, they, they worship things that they would made, things of wood or stone or precious metals or whatever they might be that for them had representation of something of the natural world of the things around them or of their own deep-seated desires they worship these things and and God again and again came to his people in particular saying you can't worship these things there's only one God truth be told there's something in human nature that causes us to to act as though what does Tim Keller say he says our hearts are idle factories all the time we take things that are good gifts, but we turn them into what are terrible gods. Over and over again, we take things such as career or family, even hobbies, and we turn them into idols that consume our passions. They become the things that are our purpose in life, and they simply can't bear the weight. Not only that, but they, as we turn things into idols, they demean our God. Repentance, becoming a Christian, is about surrendering such things. It's about uh, the belief, the practice, but also the joy of declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. Does anybody here this evening believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? You know, I think pretty much all of us here this evening do. But here's a more tricky question. Would you say that Jesus Christ was Lord of each and every area of your life? Every single thought that you think, word that you say, feeling that you feel, action that you act, place that you go, relationship that you engage in, investment of your life. It starts to become a bit more of a challenging question, doesn't it? And you're like, Pastor Craig, don't ask me such things. This is what it is, not only to be a Christian, but to start to journey in the way of the Christian. How do we consider ourselves? Fundamentally, by putting our faith in Jesus, we are changed. Yeah? And the salvation that God works in our lives, it's wondrous. And the work of God is complete. But can I let you into a little secret that then becomes a bit of a work for you to do? Not to work on your salvation, it's complete. But to work out your salvation, the Bible says we do it with fear and trembling. We work it out, understanding it. We work it out into every facet of our lives, every part of our beings. And this is the way of the disciple. If any of us think that we don't need to engage with this way, well, we're deceiving ourselves. We really are. I don't know about you, but sometimes I like to deceive myself. Anyone else? It's why I never get on this bathroom scales. I really, I want to deceive myself. I'm sure I can convince myself that things are better than they really are. But we do so with our, our religious life, our, our discipleship life all the time. Apparently, there was an old rabbi who was famous for saying, if there are only two righteous men in the world, I and my son are these two. But then he followed it up with saying, if there is only one, I am He. And he just completely binned his son. I don't know what happened there, but it doesn't seem very kind, does it? Um, It reminds me of um, two friends talking. One said, um, we're the only two honest people left in the world. And sometimes I'm not so sure about you. How we deceive ourselves, don't we, all the time. Or how about that little lad who went to his mother on one occasion and said, Mom, I'm like Goliath. I'm nine feet tall. And of course his mum said, how on earth can you say that? And the little boy produced a ruler with which on a marker pen he had written nine feet on the ruler. And he said, I measured myself. Come on. If we measure ourselves by our own standards, if we just simply say, I'm there or I'm this, without any reference to what God wants to do in our lives, we're deceiving ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. Tonight, what I want us to understand is to, to, to be and become what God wants us to be. Not only do we want to enter into what, is it, what it is to be a Christian, faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation, but into the way of a disciple, a follower, a learner, a trainee, an apprentice, one who sits at the feet of Jesus, and then when he gets moving, you get up, And you get right up close and personal with Jesus, going where he goes, seeing as he sees, speaking as he speaks, and doing as he does. We want to remember, of course, that that our doing as Christians, our going in the way of a disciple, is, is founded in who we are. That's why we've labored the point to understand what it is to be a Christian. The Bible tells us that apart from Jesus knowing him, being in him, remaining in him, we can do nothing. And so this evening, I'm not suggesting to you for a moment that that you're being invited into a way of activity that is dependent upon you. The activity and the way of the disciple is still entirely dependent upon Jesus. Not only for our example, but also for everything we need. The power and the love and the equipping of, of our lives as disciples. We might remember that we talk oftentimes about what it is to be in covenant relationship with God. He's made a promise to you. He's made a promise that if you trust in him for salvation, surrender your life to him, receive his gracious salvation, then then, then he's not going to break that relationship, not ever, not once. If you're with Jesus, he said to you, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. Even to the end of the age, he says, he'll be with you and then he's going to come again. That was a great place to say hallelujah. God is for you. Well, when we're in this relationship with God, then we get to be a part of his kingdom business. We get to, well, to to be in the family business, really. And to allow what we do, our going in his way, to flow from who we are. This might come as a bit of a surprise to you. If you've been trying to do things in your own strength you might be a little bit shocked as to what you've started to get yourself into. You might have kind of said yes to Jesus, but then ever since, maybe you've been trying to do things on your own, and maybe you found that to be wearying, unfruitful. Well, of course it's going to be that way. I read this week a, a really funny story that tickled me about um, a lady, she was age 42, and the story is set in Cleveland in the States, and apparently um, she managed to run a marathon by accident. Did you know you could do that? <laughs> she ran a marathon by accident. Her name was Georgine Johnson, and, um, and the way that she ran a marathon by accident is she signed up to run a 10k run, 10 kilometers. She'd been training for that. She felt she got it in her leg. She was ready for the 10K run. She lined up. It was all starting from pretty much the same place. But accidentally, she got herself in the wrong group of runners. And so she started running, not with the 10K group, but with the folks who were going. If you don't know, a marathon is over 26 miles. OK, so there's a bit of a significant difference here. Um, And she started running. And um, and apparently, it wasn't until the four mile mark that she realized her mistake. But she kept going, bless her, finishing the race in four hours and four minutes. I think that's pretty good if you've not trained for a marathon. That's pretty astonishing, actually. But it's what she said later when she was trying to explain herself that really is is quite fun, but quite meaningful. She said, this isn't the race I trained for, this isn't the race I entered, but for better or worse, this is the race I'm in. (laughs) <laughs> That's a really pragmatic way of just putting one foot in front of another, isn't it? Now, Christians, I think sometimes we've kind of got ourselves into this trap. We've convinced ourselves that to be a Christian it's something that ultimately it's not. We've convinced ourselves that to be a Christian is just about doing some certain religious activities, making certain declarations, and then living our lives as ordinary. It ain't. To be a Christian, well, you've kind of got yourself into the 10K run, and then at some point along the line, it's become a bit of a shock to you that actually the way of the disciple is about repeated surrender. It's about utter and complete change. It's about seeing what God is doing in and to you become what God wants to do through you such that you might be a disciple who makes disciples. Goodness me, that sounds like a marathon. God wants you to succeed in this. And so he's made a way for you to succeed in this. I'm just going to briefly, for the next couple of moments, explain a couple of concepts for you. Doubtless if you've been around the church for a while, you'll have heard some of these before. But this is us. We want to be disciples. People who grow in the grace of God. We want to be intentional about that, saying, God, transform my life. And and to be honest, God, there's no part that's off limits. There's a daring prayer to pray, isn't it? Transform me. But then, God, would you use me so that my neighbor might be transformed, so that my mum might be transformed, so that the person I sit next to in the office might be transformed, or the person on the school bus might be transformed, or, you know, whoever it might be. In Mark chapter 1, in the Bible and because you've got all these wonderful things up here the scriptures are not going to come up there so can I suggest you grab a Bible would you do that? we've got two references this evening we're not going to skip about a lot but you'll find Bibles they're around the room under the the chairs Um, and Mark chapter 1 and I I would love for you if you can maybe to commit these a couple of verses to memory it's not a great deal to memorize um, but it'll do you good I'm sure it will Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 15, and then the Bible says there, uh, it sets the scene, now after John was arrested, John the Baptist that is, he came proclaiming the coming kingdom, saying there's one going to come after me, and here comes the one, Jesus. Jesus came into Galilee, the Bible says, proclaiming the gospel of God you read it in the niv it says proclaiming the good news of god that's what the gospel is and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of god is at hand repent and believe in the gospel you remember these things the time is fulfilled the kingdom of god is at hand so repent and believe the gospel this is a, a revolution Only Jesus could say this because it's the king coming. He can bring the fullness of his kingdom. And he's saying, that's what it means for me to be here. But the king coming, bringing the fullness of his kingdom, demands a response. It's the response we've been talking a little bit already about. The idea of repenting and believing. We as a church... um, talk about these things as, as, as forming a key plank in our way of living as disciples. We recognize that our lives, um, they largely proceed from, well, from A to B. Uh, that's not a very long life, actually. A to Z um, will give us a longer life, shall we? Uh, but they pr- proceed in a linear fashion, don't they? We, we move through time. Um, sadly that means that we get older that's just the way of it you know, you get, we're used to these things by now and uh, of course we just get into uh, the, the routine sometimes even the rut of day following day, week following week month following month, year, year decade, decade, so on, so on, so on into this comes Christ and he says the time is fulfilled the kingdom of God is at hand what is he saying? Well, the Bible uses a couple of different words for time. The sense of your life just moving along, the passage of time. The the Bible in the New Testament uses a particular Greek word, chronos. Uh, We understand words such as chronology and and, and so on that talk about how time passes. That's all that it means. It's routine. It's almost ordinary. But when Jesus here says the time is fulfilled, He's not talking about just the simple passage of time. He's talking about something particular. He's talking about a moment in time that is freighted with meaning. And the Bible uses a word kairos to describe these moments. And, and when you, you find these words in the Bible, you realize something remarkable is happening. What does Jesus say is that remarkable thing? He says, when the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Something of God's perfect will of his presence, of his kingdom, is breaking into what otherwise would be our ordinary existence. Now, who here thinks that if God breaks into our lives, into our existence, into our world, it's worth us paying attention? Anybody? I reckon it is. It's worth us paying attention. Now, this doesn't always mean that that when God breaks into our lives, there's going to be kind of a a thunder crack in the sky and lightning bolts and and the booming voice of God sounding a bit like Charlton Heston saying, I am God, and, and so on and so forth. Oftentimes, when God is getting our attention, he gets our attention in less remarkable ways. Sometimes it's remarkable. God wants to speak into your life in a thousand and one ways. Not just once, but a thousand and one times, maybe more. And each time God is saying, now, here's a time, here's a moment, here's a kairos. God is saying, come on, the kingdom of God's ready to break into your life. You're ready to journey in a new way as a disciple. You're ready to become more like Christ Jesus. What are you going to do about it? Well, Jesus has already given us the framework for this. He said, if the time is now, if the kingdom of God is here, then you need to repent and believe. We need to repent, give up all ways of thinking, turn away from patterns of living, and believe. Move into the new things of God The new ways of our living and our thinking and of our faith and of our journeying with Christ. And I want to say to you this evening, this is what it is to be a disciple. This is what we are by the grace of God, according to his word and in the power of the spirit, seeking to practice as disciples. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be more like Jesus. Anybody else? Three of us want to be more like Jesus. Anybody else want to be more like Jesus? We're up to about 12 of us. This is going well. Um, I, you know, I'm sure if I asked you again, the rest of you would be all like, yeah, all right, go on, we will be like Jesus after all. Can I say to you, it's not going to happen by accident. It happens by design. God has done some pretty good design work. He doesn't want to leave you. Without the, the maturity, the fullness, the completeness of becoming like Jesus, as, as Christians, as His church, He wants to work this in us. Are you going to listen? Are you going to pay attention? Are you going to repent? That's a heavily loaded word. Are you going to believe? To repent, to allow for the, the change in our lives, is, is to go through a process repentance you know it's not so much about saying sorry although sorrow may well be a part of it the bible teaches us, in fact that it is godly sorrow that leads to repentance i think unless we really sense and feel the conviction of the spirit in these things then we can well we can do as much kind of processing as we like we're not going to get there but repentance is it's it is a process and it is something that will affect change within our lives and um When God is is breaking into our lives, these Kairos moments, the kingdom of God, really ready and and relevant to to move us on in Him, we need to observe what's going on. Pay attention. Pay attention to what is going on. Sense, sample, understand, listen to God. Ask Him to be clear to you as to what He is saying to you. Take time to observe what God is doing. And as you're understanding what it is that God is saying to you and doing in your life in this moment, reflect upon it. You know, we live in a world that just says, go, 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 move, 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 more, 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 do, do, do. Uh, You could fill your life with activity and, and come to the end of it and look nothing like Jesus. That's not what God wants for you. You need to carve out craft, ensure that there is space for reflection in your life, especially when God is doing something and you're recognizing he's trying to get your attention. Observe these things, reflect upon them, but would you go ahead and discuss them? You know, these transformed communities that we've heard testimony about this evening, they are disciple-making factories. That sounds a little bit kind of, you know, industrial. Uh, but there's one way of thinking about them which means that we are to be made into disciples in them the joy of a transformed community is that you're not doing this on your own you're not in it on your own if you think you can be a lone ranger christian can i say this as clearly as and explicitly as possible you're not going to make it yes you're going to make heaven but you're not going to make the fullness of what god has and wants for your life Because he's not made any believer to be separate from Christian community. Now, if you genuinely believe that to be false, then come on, you can bring your Bible afterwards. and Let's have a go, shall we? I'm pretty confident in this. Christians aren't made except for godly community. Discuss this with those other Christians in your transformed community. But, you know, we're not just a talking shop. We're saying we want to know what's going on. We want to embrace the change that God has for our lives. But then we want to get about it. And to believe in God is not simply about saying the right things or thinking the right things or or, or kind of just kind of giving that sense of belief. It's about putting one foot in front of the other. It's a tire hitting the road. Belief is an active thing. It is who you are. And how you live, not just the the kind of statement of faith that you might abide by or say, yes, that's the one I pick. It's how you live. What does belief look like? Well, in our transformed communities, we describe then the process of coming into belief, which is to plan. It's a a bit of a cliche, but I would suggest it's a truism, that if we fail to plan, then we plan to fail. I'm sure you've heard that before, and you probably heard it from somebody who you didn't want to hear it from, and they were having a go, and you're like, but then deep down inside, you know, actually there's a bit of truth there. If as a believer, you just simply want to bumble your way through life, well, come on, that's your choice. But if in response to the fact that God has all of his riches, the wonder of Christ Jesus, the power of the Spirit, the the depth of the Scriptures, the the breadth of his church, all at your disposal so that you might be growing into maturity. And not just you, but so that you might be making disciples. Do you really want to bumble through your Christian life? Really? Because this could get better. I want to ask you this evening, when God grabs a hold of you, do you then plan in community according to the word empowered by the spirit as to how you will live don't just plan it act upon it put it into action Vaclav Havel the former Czech president he said it's not enough to to stare up the steps we must step up the stairs I love that it just kind of works so well And English wasn't even his first language. What an incredible man. You've got to just get going into your plan. Otherwise, it's just so much kind of goff on paper. It's dreams, which are beautiful, but dreams want to become reality. That is what it is for the kingdom of God to break in. It needs to be more than a dream. It's a sure and certain hope that we're saying, God, more of, more of, more of. Plan, act, and then account for it hold one another accountable which doesn't mean grabbing a hold of one another and giving each other a beady eye and saying why haven't you done this, that or the other no, no, no that's not Christian accountability if you practice that you've got that from somewhere else you ain't got it from Jesus Christian accountability is giving somebody a warm hug telling them all of the wonder of who they are in Christ Jesus and then saying do you know what that means you get to do and then the next time you meet them You say, did you enjoy doing what you get to do because you're a son of the living God, a daughter of the living God, because you're saved by the grace that Jesus Christ won for you on the cross because you're full of the Spirit, because everything the Bible says about the way of the disciple is about you. Go on, would you look somebody in the eye right next to you and say, it's about you. And I think about three of you meant it. No, 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 more of you. Jesus doesn't describe, the Bible doesn't describe the way of the disciple as just some sort of pie in the sky, airy-fairy possibility. This is the lived reality that believers can enter into if we want to be disciples. And Jesus comes to disciples and he says something really precious and really powerful and really profound to them. And he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Don't you love Jesus? Don't you love Jesus? I imagine here this evening, there's a few of you, you need to know that God's got this. All authority in heaven and earth, Jesus. Does anybody need to know that Jesus is in control? Yeah? yeah? Some of you are thinking, I- I'm in control, I'm fine. No, no, no. Does anybody here this evening need to know that Jesus is in control? Yeah. I-, I think you do. <laughs> I know I do. He's got this, and he is the one who grabs a hold of you, wondrously gets a hold of your life, and he says, now because of all of this because of this me in you remind yourself Christ is in us the hope of glory because of this truth this reality we then get to go what do we get to do? go and impress people with how holy you are Well, nah, not really <laughs> go and attend as many services in the church building as you possibly can not really I'm not going to put on any more. I, I don't, I don't want to be here I've got other things to do Go and uh, uh, and kind of declare amazing things about you. No, 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 no. Jesus says to us something really particular, very simple, incredibly challenging. Go and make disciples of all nations. Wonderful. Of the Wirral, it's part of it of your street of your family of your husband of your wife of your friends of your colleagues go and make disciples what he is doing in you welcome someone else into how he is inviting you into his love love someone else What God does to you such that you might be transformed into the fullness of his likeness, God wants to do through you. Don't be a bottleneck. Don't be a dam. Don't be a stoppage. Go and make disciples. We get to baptize them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I was delighted this morning. Well, by a number of things. Five people becoming Christians was pretty good. I thought it was better than that, but you're obviously used to these kinds of things. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, But then a a certain uh, young lady saying to me that they would like to be baptized. These things, they thrill me because this this is the way of Christ. And he says, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You get everything. God doesn't withhold a single thing. And what does Jesus say? Teach them teach them and not just to fill their heads but teach them so that they might obey walk in my ways what does that mean so that they then might make disciples so that they then might make disciples this is us this is us disciples who make disciples there's so much more that could be said on this but I'm conscious Porian's hand must be about to fall off. Um, We're doing all right, he's got two of them. Um, This is us. It's who we are as a church. And can I say, it's what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If anyone convinces you otherwise, please come and have a word with me because I'll bop them on the nose. To be a follower of Jesus is to embrace the fullness of the life that he has for you. It means repentance and belief. But God supercharges these processes. He comes to you in moments of joy and of clarity. The kingdom of God is ever ready to break into our experience if we'll only just take a moment to to understand him and to embrace him and to, to love him and to be changed. Repent, repent. You can't remember the last time you repented well go on repent of that and say Jesus would you come to me now would you come to me now God what are you saying to me and what do you want me to do about it and believe believe there's more for you there's more for you there's more for you there's more for you and some of you're not even smiling at me there's more for you in Christ Jesus I don't think anyone's told you anything better today there's more for you in Jesus this is wonderful news. Repent and believe. And then everything that God is doing in you, say, okay, who can I tell about this? The love that I'm receiving, how is this overflowing in my world? This is us. Come would you stand with me? Let's stand together. And, and those who are going to lead us in worship, it would be great if you would come again. But as we stand together, we want to reflect on these things. So can I invite you to close your eyes, if you would, and consider your life before God? I mentioned just a couple of questions that you can ask. And you're asking them not of me. Um, You're asking them you and the Holy Spirit of God who is present here this evening because he loves you and he wants you to journey with Jesus to the glory of the father a couple of questions god what are you saying to me and then what do you want me to do about it what are you saying to me and what do you want me to do about it i'm not going to preempt the holy spirit i wouldn't dream of it but i just want to encourage you with some opportunities and avenues our transform communities are you part of one? What does that mean for you? Do you find yourself growing in the way of the disciple? The way that you're engaging with the word of God, reading it, and your life of prayer, of talking with the one who wants to transform you. And we reflect on these things and say, God, okay, okay, what are you saying to me? What would you have me do about it? And Jesus though i know there's a doubtless a great deal more reflection and discussion and planning and acting for my brothers and sisters here this evening i do even now want to pray for them i want to thank you for them jesus they're incredibly precious people i thank you that they've come here this evening to celebrate what you are doing and to be inspired into what's next. And I pray, Jesus, this evening, would you encourage them in their spirits? Would you uplift the lowly and the weary? Strengthen the weak. Lord Jesus, would you return the wanderer to your way? Would you fill us with your spirit? And God, I pray for a clarity, not of our own wisdom, but of yours at work within our lives. God, I pray for a listening people, hearts soft and tuned to you. And I pray for a people who are humbly willing to repent as often as it takes, so that we might believe anew in yet more of your kingdom. Jesus, work this in our lives, I pray. Miracles, wonder, and work this through our lives, Jesus. God, we want to be people who pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And to say, Lord Jesus, let this be so, in my patch of earth as it is in heaven Lord Jesus and not just say these prayers but to have faith Lord God you will do it you are doing it Jesus Christ let us be people who surrender ourselves to the way of the disciple for the glory of your great name Amen Amen can I invite you to do one thing on the back of what we've considered this evening? Would you resolve, um, you know, when you go from this place, it might not be tonight, maybe tomorrow, don't leave it too long. Say, I'm going to tell such and such a person what I'm gonna do. Can you do that? Would that be okay? When in God's leadership you've got some clarity as to how you're going to act according to his word, then say, I'm gonna tell somebody, okay? Um, I looking at your face I have no sense whatsoever whether you're going to do this or not you, you are blank um, wondrously so um, would you do that? Yeah. you could talk to me it's alright anybody going to do that? you're going to find somebody it doesn't have to be a scary somebody it can be a friendly somebody well find somebody and just go yeah I'm going to tell someone I'm, I'm going to do this because I think God's saying it ask me about it in a week ask me about it in a month is that alright? you're going to do that? go on say yes to me I mean don't say yes if you're not going to do it That's lying But you know I'm sure you are going to do it So let's, let's just say it Okay Wonderful Let's praise God together That's fantastic Let's praise God together Oh we may have lost the words No we're good We're coming back No we have lost the words Are we going to sing something we know Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> There's no words So we're going to sing something we know Hopefully And afterwards we're going to have some coffee God bless you